Welcome to KTB Media Podcast. I am your fearless leader, Vic Muscat. Yes, I've been driven out in my basement. We had a pretty good rainfall last night, yesterday, even the night before. Sunday night started. I'm recording this on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, all day Monday and Monday night. And we... Had a fair amount of flooding. Not as bad as the cyclone that hit us earlier this year. But enough to flood my basin enough that I had to disconnect the power in fear of being electrocuted. So I am back upstairs of my house right now. I'm going to be here until everything dries up downstairs. Hopefully it will be just a day or two. Who knows? And we'll take it from there. But the show must go on with or without the flooded basement. The Me Too movement. It started off as something that was courageous. Started off women coming from the shadows, stepping up to speak out against the guys or the people who did them wrong. But like every courageous, pure goodness in this world, we must twist it to a point that it can be used against a weapon, against anyone and everyone to ruin their lives just to get the last warp. And on OutKick, Clay Travis said it the best about how this should be handled. This whole Me Too era has prompted a lot of made-up accusations. When you tell women, hey, believe all women, you're playing identity politics with the truth, which is going to encourage some women to lie. A woman who initially alleged she was sexually assaulted by Matt Areza has dropped her civil suit against the former NFL punter. Areza is making no monetary payment. If I were a state legislator, I would draft a new bill. And that bill would say, if... It is determined, based on an investigation, that you falsely allege that you have been sexually assaulted, and it becomes clear that you lied about that sexual assault. You should be charged with the exact same punishment that that individual would have faced had they been convicted of your lie. There should be a mirror law here. This seems like a no-brainer to me. I absolutely agree with Quay Travis. You, there should be a mirror law because what happened? Yeah, that former Bills kick up hunter, he the civil suit against him was dropped. But his career, NFL career, is still over. His life is still ruined. His dreams are still over. Where's the justice for him? There isn't any. Because after the civil suit was dropped, and it turned out that these accusations were not true, everyone just went, eh, and moved on to the next. Next victim. That's the best way to put it. Next victim. So yes, there should be a mirror wall that if the woman 
who has accused a man with sexual assault or anything heinous such in that as that nature, if his life, dreams, career are all ruined because of that lie, there should be some retribution. She should be facing 10 to 15 years in the prison system. Maybe if you we have a law like that, women won't be making these accusations up as much as possible. It's quite Travis is right. It's a no-brainer. 100 percent There was this young lady who came out and talked about why she was against Pride Month. And as everyone's social media continued to attack her in the comments, I took a step back and listened to her reason. Because everyone, if, if it was full of shit, I would call her out on it. But I wanted to listen to her reasoning behind this strong statement that had everyone all angry about. This is about to sit well for some people and not sit well for others. I hate Pride Month. And not because I care about who you want to love, but because I'm sick of the corporate pandering. I'm sick of seeing all-age drag shows where bearded men wrapped in fishnets and BDSM outfits are grinding their man bulges into the faces of children. I'm sick of society pushing children to transition. I am tired of men dressing up as women to victimize other women in sports, public restrooms, locker rooms, and life. We have pride flags painted on our sidewalks, they're flying from our embassies, they're hanging in our schools, and yet a group that claims to be so deeply marginalized has an entire month dedicated to one of the seven deadly sins, and I'm supposed to tolerate it? What once was a call for people to just mind their business and love who they want to love has turned into a campaign to force people, regardless of religious beliefs, to accept a certain way of life that they don't want to accept and a trend to destroy childhood innocence in an attempt to validate sick adults and I want no part of it. The only rainbow I celebrate is God's promise and the only pride I want to have is the pride for my country. She does bring up some good points and some points that are in doubt. First of all, pride parades, I have not seen this. I've been to one or two of them to show my support. I have not seen this personally. But I have heard and seen videos on social media. And I'm not saying that this is true. I'm going by based on what I've seen. But I have seen on social media, yes, people are wearing like bondage you know, outfits. They are wearing fishnet stockings and stuff. That's a kink. That's not pride. That's not love. That's a kink. So right there, if I saw it personally, I would say that's not pride. That's just celebrating your kinky side. It should be in a sex club, not on the streets. Now, the kids watching it, I think a good parent should really sit back and think what their kids' age are and is it going to be appropriate for them to go to a pride parade in general. The kids just don't show up to the parades. The parents or the guardians has to allow it to happen. 
So the, having the kids witness that during a parade, that's a parent issue. That's not a them issue. Another thing that she brings up, which I agree with, is it has been corporatized. It's not just the whole, you know, pure, loving, outreach to people to show what pride's all about. No, it has been thrown through the mud. It has been corporatized. And people need to understand that we all have our own opinions. And if you don't, if we respect people's lifestyles, however, if you don't respect our opinions, it's just going to be a fuck you, fuck you. And it's not going to go anywhere. So I understand her concern about kids seeing a pride parade and it gets, it's all bondage and not about pride. It's about people's sexual kinks, not sexual preferences. I get that. A lot of it, though, is for the parents to decide whether your kids should be going to these things or not. And this will determine whether you're a good parent or not. Like I know there's a book out there about how it's okay to be gay for preschoolers. I think that's absolutely disgusting. There's, there's a certain age where you let them play with their Legos and their puzzles instead of planting the seed of, hey, you might be gay. They don't have to grasp the fact of girls don't have penises. And they do if you have a little boy. So I understand her concerns, but it's also known as the parents. The parents allowing their kids to go to these parades at a young age and they witness that, that's pretty much sending your kids down to a sex club. And that's a parenting issue. Not the people in the parade. But do I think that Pride Month is a little excessive? Yes. I think is a well, very much excessive because at least Black History Month in February, they educate you on Black history. Pride Month, there's not there's no education going on. It just you must adapt to us a lifestyle and wave the pride flag around like you're in the South with the Confederate flag. Just wave it around. So I understand her concerns and I understand, and she's right. Pride, I'm not saying all pride organizations, there are some out there that's still pure and it's about love. But there are some that because of corporations or donators, they twist it to sexual kinks and into a sex club. That's our issue right now. Separating between what's love and what's this pure sex. And there's a line between them that has been very blurred and needs to be established once again. Until then, maybe it's going to prove that Americans 
are really are not that smart because these countries may or may not, if she's right about pride parades, about how the bondage now fits the fish nest and it's more sex than love, then these countries get it. Unfortunately, some people do throw the victim card because they're too lazy, too educated, too privileged to understand what the situation really is. It's like that transgender female swimmer, Leah Thomas. Some arguments coming from that I get, but some is an absolutely you problem. My teammates and I were forced to undress in the presence of Leah, a six foot four tall biological male, fully intact with male genitalia, 18 times per week. Some girls opted to change in bathroom stalls and others used the family bathroom to avoid this. When we tried to voice our concerns to the athletic department, we were told that Leah's swimming and being in our locker room was a non-negotiable, and we were offered psychological services to attempt to re-educate us to become comfortable with the idea of undressing in front of a male. To sum up the university's response, we, the women, were the problem, not the victims. We were expected to conform, to move over, and shut up. Our feelings didn't matter. Right there, the first question that popped in my head was, then why did you stay? Was there a gun to your head? Now, I understand that if you didn't conform what the university said, that, you know, you might lose your scholarship. You'd be off the swimming team or whatever. But you choose to sell out your own morals to be with that transgender female. You decided to stay in that locker room. If you felt threatened, leave. Just leave. Speak out. But going in front of a board saying like, oh, I was supposed to say I didn't stay. You didn't have to stay. You choose to stay. You weren't forced to stay. So that right there, that's a you problem. I'm sorry that Leah Thomas made you feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. But I've been with people that made me feel uncomfortable. And I choose to stay. And I'm not in front of a board crying about it. About, oh, we were forced. We were told we had to. Just say, no, I'm out. Fuck all you. See ya. Then start speaking out against it.
but don't speak out against it after you choose to stay. They claim you're the victim. It's just that's a you problem. It's we're privileged. This is once again privileged people. Instead of using common sense, saying like, "Hey, this makes me feel uncomfortable," you go to the proper channels. They say no. They offer you psychological exam. They say, "Hey, I went to you. You're not listening to me. I'm out. Deuces. You're out." Because sooner or later, acting privileged, like, oh, poor me, you act like this girl. My spending allowance per month is $1,000. I feel like a peasant. If you ask me, I think my mom should be giving me at least $2,500 a month just to cover my basic expenses. When my mom refuses to give me money, I make her life a living hell. You wrote in to me. Tell me what you wanted me to get straight with your mom. I want my mom to understand that I can't live off of $1,000 a month and I grew up on a certain lifestyle. She can't just take that away from me immediately. If someone took her lifestyle away from her, she wouldn't like that. And I grew up on it. It's all I ever know. I can't deal with this. And so I can't do it for help. Okay. I think the best thing would be to start with a job. No. Yeah, absolutely. No. She needs a job. No. And I think it would be great if you volunteered some more at the soup kitchen. You could do some great volunteer work down there. I did that. She doesn't need a job babysitting. She needs a job in the world. No. She doesn't need Absolutely a job at home. Not. She needs a job in the world. <laughs> you, you need a job. No, I don't want a job. Well, I know. That's being privileged to the max. So I don't want to hear any of this, you know, oh, we're forced to stay. We had to stay. No, you didn't. Because with that young lady in front of the board complaining about that, to me, she's just like that other woman complaining about her monthly allowance. He needs to find a job. You are an adult. Stand up for yourself and you choose to stay, you choose to stay, fine. But don't cry about it in front of a panel afterwards playing the victim. It's like making yourself a cocktail and you put too much whiskey in or vodka in and it's too strong for you. You made that cocktail. You made the decision to stay. You made your bed. Lie in it. And quit your crime. And finally, there's this professional wrestling vlogger out there. Now, I don't know if he does YouTube videos. I don't know. I know he has a blog for a fact. Don't know if he has a podcast or YouTube videos, whatever. But he went to different wrestling events. Went to a Dynamite, Collision, Rampage, Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and asked random wrestling fans certain questions. And one of which he asked was, how far in your education did you complete? Like Kind of like asking, how educated are you? And the results make perfect sense. It does. The AEW side. All right, this is 
college graduates, percentage of college graduates who are wrestling fans. Rampage, 25%. Dynamite and Collision, both at 24%. Which is I, to me is that's kind of like uh disturbing right there. It kind of makes me double guess my profession, being a professional wrestling podcaster. But nevertheless, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. Get this. Raw 20%. NXT 19%. SmackDown 18% of the fans. He has the questions to. Were college graduates. I it shows the mentality of WWE fans not knowing what the fuck they're talking about because they're not educated. It makes perfect sense. You have people who go on Facebook or X or wherever pretending they are professional wrestlers. This month alone, I saw Oscar. I saw Cody Rhodes, just some re reject, pretending to be the wrestlers. It makes absolute perfect sense. This the WWE is the short bus of professional wrestling. The stats prove it. The data confirms it. And you have people like Dave Messer, Melser. He will say something. All right. Someone said, because AEW TV should be reserved for AEW titles, which I agree with, I try to show lapsed fans AEW, and the first thing they complained about was, why the hell does AEW slash Ring of Honor have so many championships compared to WWE and NXT. Melser agreed with the whole, there might be too many championships. Like I agree. Also, AEW and ROH combined had 13 titles, and WWE and NXT combined have 14. So if there is a problem, it is the same in both co companies. There's this person who apparently can't count they called Death of AEW. Say, prove it. All right, let's take a step back and say, okay, AEW has a TNT title, TBS championship, AEW women title, tag team championship, the international championship. The world title. Let's go to Ring of Honor. The heavyweight. The pure champion. The TV. The women's. The tag team. The six-man tag. Forgot the AEW Trios Championship. And soon to be, that was just recently announced, which I love, the Ring of Honor Television Women's Champion. 14. What does WWE have? Because everyone's complaining about AEW and RH too many championships. WWE has the World Championship, Raw's Women's Championship, the Intercontinental Championship, the Universal Championship. Also, Roman Reigns has the Universal Championship. He has the WWE Undisputed Championship. 
the United States Championship, the SmackDown's women, NXT, the NXT Men's Championship, the Women's Championship, the NXT Cup, the NXT Tag Team Championship. That's getting up there. Oh, and the Raw SmackDown Champion Tag Team Championship. That's two. Did I mention that before? I don't think I mentioned that. And the women's tag team titles. I don't think I mentioned those as well. So that's additional thing. That's 14. And you're complaining about AEW has too many championships. When WWE, the company that you're dick riding, has just as many championships. And someone said, prove it. I just proved it within 60 seconds. It boggles my mind how uneducated WWE fans are. I said this from the start, and these stats prove it. There's people out there who most likely didn't graduate high school. They'll make pages called Death of AEW and AEW Awful Wrestling. To make a point, with their points... I, based on educational value. It's just talking out of their ass. This is a form of hate speech. It really is. And someone said the same mistakes in the comparison of WCW and AEW. Sign X, every ex-WWE superstar, ignoring the poor attendance, ignoring the steady declining ratings, backstage politics, Random matches with zero storylines. Unnecessary WWE references. Relying on older wrestlers. Messed up management. And they're claiming AEW is dying slowly. And two of those remarks, I get discredit instantly. Relying on older wrestlers or signing every ex-WWE superstar. What do you call Will Offspray? An older wrestler? He's 30. Signing every WWE superstar? Matt Riddle? Where is he today? Everyone seemed to love him. Dolph Ziggler? Where is he? So it's it's very inaccurate accusations and the college graduate percentage at these wrestling events prove about how much of a morons these people really are. The WWE universe are seriously a bunch of idiots. Man, I was read a study recently that they said studies showed that American America is fatter and more depressed than ever thanks to COVID lockdowns. WWE Universe, the WWE fans, are the mascot of that study. I don't care. Personally, I do not care about the whole AEW, you know, getting sh what's wrong with AEW. I do not care what's going on with WWE. What I don't like about WWE the most are these fans online. 
I got messages about people like going, ha ha, Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet is to probably go back to WWE. AEW couldn't get her. And I care how. And the most, the dumbest thing they do is if you say something bad about WWE, discredit something about WWE, call Cody Rhodes a piece of shit, call CM Punk and Jay Cargill a, one of the two of the biggest flops in WWE in 2023. You say that right away. They drop the AEW card down like I'm part with it, part of the AEW circle. I'm not. That's the funny thing. And that shows how moronic and their education level are. That study proves it. Of course, if you have 18% of WWE fans who went SmackDown, college graduates, of course they're going to just say, oh, you're an AEW homer. Because in reality, they're morons. So I love this study that came out, this guy's, you know, report. I love it. And his conclusion was better education goes hand in hand with higher incomes. And the higher income audience should make these shows more valuable to network to networks. So no wonder the WWE can manipulate the WWE Universe. And no wonder WWE Universe are just as bad Trumpers. Because it's like Trumpers, they're morons. And this poll shows it. Data does not lie. People lie. Data does not. My name is Vic Muscat. This is KTB Media Podcast, and I'll be right back. KTB Media is back, and I am your host, Vic Muscat. With me today is the future of WWA. We have Mr. Tyler Santos. What's up? We have the hosts of Three Guys Walked Into the Bar. They have an episode coming up very soon with the one and only Princess Victoria. He is Scotty. Going on, Vic. It's gone. Got a lot of rain in Vermont yesterday. I'm just set up my podcast station in my basement. Now I'm back in my living room. Uh, I just Dining room, back. living room, whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're breaking your living room now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Anywho, with me today, she's a young talent from Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling. She is the one and only, the marionette, Noelle Summit. How are you doing today, ma'am? <laughs> I am doing good. I'm doing good. How about y'all? I'm doing great. Good. Good. Everyone's doing good. Yeah. Good. It's cold and wet in Vermont. My eagles lost. I'm... He might not be doing good, but everyone else, chilling. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just a little disappointed in myself uh, after this past weekend. Uh, not because of football. I'm not like Vic. Uh, I went hunting this weekend up in Ohio, and I had the perfect shot. I had two does standing side by side. I could have shot through both of them. 
and I pulled the trigger and click, nothing happened. So, Ooh, was it jammed? No, it was worse than that. It was a gun that I had never used before. It was my nephew's gun, and I just didn't pull the trigger hard enough. I didn't pull all the way back. It just clicked once. It's supposed to click twice. Harvard. And when I clicked it, it I thought that that was it. I thought it was jammed. And by the time I figured out what was going on, the, the two deer looked back at me and was like, huh, Peace. later. Bye. Yeah, they were gone. Hmm. Just That's like my bad. first time shooting a gun, it went like boop. It was the like weakest noise I ever heard. So <laughs> I kind of, kind of, I can't relate. I remember the first time I shot a gun. I was with my papa, and I was like, I had to be like four, four or five, and they were just like, you know, holding the guns with us, and it like kicked back on me. And I remember I cried and I ran all the way back to my grandma's house. It was. That's that's my only memory of shooting a gun. <laughs> well, so comparing to my story, this happened like earlier this year. So, <laughs> ah, okay. So, so Noah, and I'm 22 get, right now. Noah, how did you get to professional wrestling? What got you started? So, professional wrestling, I started watching when I was eight, which was back in like 2013. Um, I started watching because my brother had gotten a video game. It was SmackDown vs. Raw 2009. And I remember like being like that annoying little sister. I was like, I want to play that with you. I want to play that with you. So we would always play it together. My favorite wrestler to play was The Big Show. And then we figured out we could watch it on TV. And then we started watching it. And honestly, for me, it was it was it was love at first sight, you know, because there's nothing else like professional wrestling. There's no other entertainment that's quite like it. So it really was like captivating, you know. Little eighteen year old, not eighteen, little eight year old me was like, yeah, that that's what I want to do. That's what I wanted to do. And when I set my mind to something, I'm very like, even as a child, I'm very like, this is what I'm gonna do. So. When I turned 13, I started to save money for it, save money, you know, babysitting, odd jobs, sofa, sofa, coins, however. And then, you know, 15, I got an actual job and then I started saving, saving. And then April 2021 was when I officially started training at Rocky Mountain Pro. Who was your favorite when when uh, when you when you first started really watching it in 2013? Who was who was your favorite? Daniel Bryan, like I because it was we had started watching his Road to WrestleMania and like I I in my opinion I still think that's probably one of the best storylines in like the last like 10 15 years the Yes Movement. So I. Like to this day, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, the American Dragon, like he is my favorite wrestler, hands down, just because like that emotional connection right away, like that's like that's a guy you wanted to get behind. And like ten years ago, it was no different for me. What school did you go to and how long did it take you between your first day to your first match? So I train at the Al Snow Wrestling Academy of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, Matt Yaden is the head trainer over there. I started in April 2021, and then I had my first match. I had, like, two first matches, but I consider my first match in December. So it was about 
April to December, that was about seven, seven or eight months between my first day of training to getting out there on the mat. And how was it on your first day when you uh in training? Scary. Very, very scary. Like because I was I was sixteen when I started and I was a very like you know, just got my license, like, oh, I'm gonna go like not much life experience quite yet. And I was very into myself, very shy, very, very not confident. And I remember the training, it was just it was Matt. It was Matt Yade in there and then Alessa Lilith Grimm. And we basically, we went over the basic, the most basic of things, the goals, bumps, stuff like that. And it was, it was, I, I remember I left feeling really excited and really emotional. Like, oh my God, I just did that. I probably sucked, but I just did that. And it was, it was a mixture of like, oh, like a lot of anxiety and then like a lot of like pride in myself. Cause I was like, dang. I just did that, you know. I'm going to fast forward right now. How did you get, how did the marionette be born? How did the, well, tell us about the birth. Because I mentioned, you know, when, I, when I, we talked and I got you scheduled, I told Scotty, say like, yeah, I got this, you know, the marionette. And he was like, the marionette? And I was like, dude, I seen, I looked her up on YouTube. Dude, she's pretty wicked. So the character, oddly enough, was supposed to be a one-time thing. Like, it was not supposed to go as far as it did. It was a part of a story we were doing that, basically, I turned I turned evil for, for the night. But when I went out and I did it, you know, from my perspective, it just felt more natural than, like, what I was doing before. And then I guess, like, I had really impressed. I impressed my coaches. I impressed the people writing the story that they were like, no we need to keep her doing this because we, you know, we obviously struck gold on something. It was, like, you it know, was something that just clicked. It exactly. Didn't, it wasn't intentional, just one of the magical things that you can't explain. That, that's awesome. Exactly. Like, it's very much like, because when I, when everybody starts, like, you know, you're, you're a good guy. You were the cheeky, like, let's go, da, 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 da. And, you know, for some people that can connect with them and then other people that's kind of hard. And then when they told me, okay, go out there. And like, I wasn't really told like what to do or like what this character was supposed to be. So like, I was just like, okay, I'm going to wing it and do whatever feels. Just natural. learn on the fly, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was totally just like, okay, this is what you're doing. Figure it out. And you know what? I figured it out and it turned out pretty well. That's how it is most times. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just get sent out there 10, 15 minutes before and then like, got to do something. That's how it goes, brother. How it goes. He says brother. <laughs> the one thing I love about your character, and this is why I you know it's like some other wrestlers do it as well. Without the lights and the effects of the WWE or AEW, if you do a character like yours, it's very hard to pull. You have to work. You have to work on your movement, the way how you move and present yourself to bring out that horror and that I guess that goosebumps out. And that's what I like about your character. I mean, was it something that you just naturally did? Did it take practice to get those moves down, or? So I feel like it's a little, a little bit of both, like a little bit of like 
it was it was there like definitely naturally it was there and then of course like you know you have to fine tune it you know carve out the edges smooth them out but for me a lot of it is like in the moment like just mid-match I'm gonna be like okay I'm gonna do this and it either like works or does it so it's it's a lot of trial and error but like as a kid I was very much like a really like couldn't sit still type of kid so like as the millionaire I kind of just take that and I'm just like okay I'm just gonna kind of like move move however I'm feeling in the moment what promotions other than Rocky Pro that you're working at right now so I work for I've worked for Heartland Championship Wrestling down in Kansas Billy Simmons runs that promotion he's an awesome guy um I've worked out I've worked for Honor Among Us, which is ran by Dan- Danny Hahn. He's an awesome guy. That's out in like the Illinois, Iowa, you know, Midwest area. I've worked for Core Professional Wrestling, which is in Oklahoma. That's run by Skyler Slice and Nathan Estrada. Um, dang. I'm blanking on all where I've been. I recently went out to Pro Wrestling Epic in Illinois, and that was a blast. I got to work with Thunder Kitty, which was really fun. Um, I work a lot in Washington, Northwest, Northwest Pro, which is run by J.D. Mason. You know, I've been really just taking opportunities as they've come. Like, I've been really blessed in, like, the second half of this year to be able to, like, go out a lot. Like, there's some months where I've been traveling every weekend, which is just, that's amazing. It's, like, really, really cool. But those are probably my main promotions I've been working with right now. So, so what's your goal for the next year? My goal for the next year is more exposure and just get out there and travel, travel, and travel. Like, I, my goal is I want to get more states. I want to double the states. Like, I have, I have seven or eight states under my belt, and I would really like to go to eight more so I can have 16 at the end of next year. That, that would be my goal, just to get out. And, you know, I'm really looking out to get out, like, to the Midwest and to the East. Just because, like, in Colorado, especially, kind of the south southwest, like, there's not, not any wrestling, but it's still still building itself out. So, like, I really want to go more east, more Kentucky, more New York, New Hampshire, that area. Illinois, again, would be really Come on fun. down to Georgia, where we still do the old school wrestling. The old school wrestling. I would love that. <laughs> You know, I was I was trained in a pretty old school way. Um, my trainer Matt Gaden, he he trained under Al Snow, so that's where we get the Al Snow Wrestling Academy. So I definitely feel most comfortable in old school environment because that's just how I was trained, like really just like inside the ring and outside the ring. So definitely like Georgia, I'd love to. L- literally anywhere, you know, like Alaska, I'd go to Alaska, California, you know, places like that. So tell us about your finishing maneuver and why is your finishing maneuver a choice? So my finishing maneuver was created with me. A couple of wrestlers and I were like getting together and we're like, I need a finisher, da, 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 da. And my finisher comes from the cravat, which is a hold. It's kind of an old school hold. You don't really see it anymore. Anytime I see it on TV, like I pop for it. And basically I put them in the cravat I get them down to one knee. I put my knee on the side of the head and then I snap back. So they're taking, they're basically taking 
my knee to the head and it's like really snap really quick I love it I think it looks gnarly and then I also use this spear just because you know what we were messing around and training one day and I just did it and it really just just clicked it was one of those moves that hey I got this right away so those are my two finishers and I like the cravat because the cravat knee I call it no strings attached I like that because it's quick it's gnarly looking like you don't it's it's unique you don't really see it and then the spear just because like it's quick easy you can hit it on anyone you can hit it out of nowhere and it looks if you if you really like put yourself into it your body weight into it it looks gnarly as gnarly as fuck excuse my french but <laughs> sleep sleep so what wrestler influ influenced your style in the ring so for a long like for a long time i would say it'd probably be like like i say it like bigger heels like the undertaker pain guys who and i know that's funny because like i'm a five four hundred and thirty pound girl so that is a little weird but it's the way they move very slow and very methodical like every, very, yeah very methodical yeah, that's what i'll say you know they move with purpose and they're not i'm i'm not i'll never claim to be a super athlete so i'm not one to go super duper fast but i like to stalk and like to make my moves matter you know what i'm saying every little thing like you all do serves a purpose exactly you know, and I was just like, you know, trained the way I'm trained, like less is more. So mm -hmm. always just keeping that in mind. And mostly, most of the time I'm a heel. So putting on, I'm thinking in the terms of putting on heat. And I always like to keep it slow, keep it vicious, keep it methodical. Yeah. So I'd probably say like Undertaker, like Kane, but also on like the female side, I really love Gail Kim, just like gail kim aj lee like i said i came up in that era of like that of like when Paige debuted and aj debuted and stuff like that so i really look at them too um gail kim like super duper underrated the 2009 impact knockouts division like all of them are gems like angelina love i like to watch a lot um madison lane is really good to watch just because they're small because those smaller girls like my size and stuff like that so i'd probably say undertaker gail kim aj lee are probably like my top three that i watch the um, moves you do being the marionette do you think your size helps out for the creepiness factor you think or you think you're taller it would still be the same effect I think the size makes it creepy because I feel like when I come out and you look and you look at me like I'm not I'm not in I'm not threatening right away. Like if you saw me if you saw me on the street, you wouldn't cross to the other sidewalk. It's it's like it's what kind of, you know, drops your guard. So I think it works in my favor because I think that's that makes this the character even scarier, the gimmick even scarier is that it's not People underestimate you. Exactly. They underestimate me and they don't like, think. Oh, no, she's a sweetheart. Look at her. She wouldn't hurt nobody. Yeah. Nope. Yep. And then I start twitching and yelling and laughing. <laughs> and then they're like, ah, okay, okay. <laughs> 
Now, what has the, been the weirdest interaction you've had, like with a fan in your character? So it was at a it was at the last Haw show. It was at the Halloween show we did um, in Illinois. In the we were like technically in the Quad Cities. I don't. We, yeah, we were like in the Quad Cities, and I I had less. I would I was I think I was the first match, and I go out there and I wrestle, and I'm selling my merchandise, and this old man comes up like like farmer grandpa and he's like and like I'm interacting with the fans and he comes out to me and he's like I ought to smack you da 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 and he was so serious like so like I had gotten this old man to hate me and I like for a second I didn't even know how to react I was like please don't hit me grandpa like please don't (laughs) if I was your grandpa I'd whoop your butt yeah literally I was like well I got him to hate me that's good I'll try, try to get a clip up of you. Oh, oh yes, this was my hot debut. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, because that's freaky as fuck. Look at her, <laughs> pigtails and all. So, yeah, where did you get that idea for your character? So. We at Rocky Mountain Pro, we work TV, so we have a group of writers, and one of the writers named Chris De La Vega, he was writing the story, and I was a part of the story, and he had written the one-off character, so that's, he's like the original, like, he had, he created the concept of the millionaire, and then I kind of made the million, like, I kind of made the millionaire, if that that makes sense he was like here's the concept run with it if if you know that makes sense mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's where it started from just like a one-off it was a one-off character in a story and then they were like you know what let's keep doing this okay so, now before you were the marionette you were just noel summit correct yes i was the juvenile delinquent noel summit <laughs> so what are some of your favorite matches so far in your career I would say this one right here with Gorilla de Brasenas she's awesome she's a sweetheart to work with and then I would say the match I had with Kelsey Mangolia the Halloween street fight we got to have and that that was a blast I had never worked a street fight so that was fun um, my match at Rocky Mountain Pro Shocktober with then champion Adrian Mascara is probably my favorite match of all time, though. Um, so yeah, those are those are probably my top three. And that uh, that street fight that you were in, what was? I don't want to say the worst part, but what was the most memorable part of that match? Whether it be a move, a spot, or you know, a weapon that was used against you. So it was actually, we had a crown royale bag. And if you know in wrestling, when it, whenever somebody pulls out a bag of something, you, you normally think it's tax. But in the Halloween spirit, the millionette changed it up a little bit. And we're fighting over the bag of tax. And the bag of tax goes everywhere. But turns out it's not a bag of tax. It's a bag of candy corn. And I speared it on the candy corn. And I got the one, two, three. Nice. Are you opposed to doing death matches? You know, I don't know if I would go 
you know, never say never in wrestling. Like never, ever say never in wrestling. So I can't say I wouldn't, but I would definitely start out small and probably do it, like do another street fight, another hardcore match. But you know, never say never. You know, I'm I'm pretty tough, so maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'll I just like a no I, I, I just that. I just say like go jump right into it. I just I like, know the first match you don't want to take a weed whacker. The first match, I mean, just exactly. But hey, you know, like I think it's like every wrestler is like you know sometimes you gotta bleed if that makes sense. Not you know. <laughs> is that true, Tyler? I'm gonna take a pass on death match wrestling. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. Five years later, Tyler versus Mad Max in a electrified barbed wire match. <laughs> oh boy, that's a good poor Max. Ma- Max's forty second retirement match. Forty <laughs> second. You know, maybe make it your retirement match. The one and only death match. One and. Hopefully, Hawk. I mean, if I were to do one, it would have to. I don't know. It would probably be against Nick Gage, I guess. Nah. So, what's See, lolling them in a false sense of security. <laughs> Hopefully, Hawk doesn't flag me for copyright or anything like that. No, I don't think they will. Yeah, so, uh, got me a lot. Next question, Dilly. So, what's the best advice you were given? The best advice that I was given was probably worry about yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. And that, that that's cheesy, but, like, it really, it really does, like, because it's so easy to, like, at least for me, get into my head about, oh, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so already knows how to do this move and I can't get this move down because it's like when you so like when you worry about yourself and you're solely like okay what's Noelle's next move what is gonna happen da 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 you will do so much better and I really attribute like this like how good the second half of this career uh, second half of this year has been for me to really buckling down and being like okay what does Noelle want what's focus on where I want to be so it's 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 basically, you know, in in some terms is you know mind your business, worry about yourself, but <laughs> probably that, yeah. yeah is there a lot of seven, that's a lot of getting done, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, getting it done. You know. Yeah, but it's, it's a uh, easier said than done. I mean, just do oh, it. Oh no, a hundred percent. And as somebody who like started so young, like I, I'm not old, I'm I'm 19 right now, but you know, I was I was 16 when I started and like, you know how teenagers are like, you know, dramatic, you can be dramatic and stuff like that. So it, it is because, you know, especially when like other people aren't worrying about themselves, it's kind of like, oh, I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the more mature one in this situation and keep to myself. But it, but it's hard, trust me. I, I'm sure, like, I'm sure y'all know how it can be being in a locker room sometimes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, like. Sky <laughs> yeah. knows what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, TJ told me you were a Ring of Honor heavyweight champion at one point. Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, I'll go. Ahead, I'll go ahead and tell them the story. So, twenty years ago, twenty years ago, when Ring of Honor was just getting off the ground within his first couple of years, um, they came to Ohio very often. Uh, so I would go see him every time they came to the Dayton, Ohio area, and I got to. Uh, work with the ring crew. I volunteered oh, and awesome. I helped them set up the rings, tear down the rings, um, uh, set up the hey, chairs, all that basically. stuff. Yeah, I, I, the only thing I wasn't doing was was training in the ring. That I didn't. Mm-hmm. I I should have. Looking back on it, that was my opportunity, but I didn't. Um, but I got to know a lot of the guys. I got to work around uh, Brian Danielson and CM Punk and Samoa Joe. That's awesome. Um, so the golden so, age, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the golden age of modern wrestling, and um, there was a one particular night. The show was over. We were tearing everything down. Everybody had left except for uh, a couple of the wrestlers and the merchandise guy. Well, in the backstage area, there was these little bench seats, and in the back corner sat the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship belt. I love and that. The, <laughs> <laughs> so I look at it, and I pick it up, and I'm holding it. And it was heavy. It, it, it was real. And I'm holding it, and the, the evil part of your brain, the one that makes you do things, makes you break windows and have fun, just telling me <laughs> you need to take this belt and go put it in your car. But the better part of me, my conscience said, no, no, you, you've, you've had a great opportunity here. These people have been great to you. You do the right thing and give the belt back. So I went and found the, um, the merchandise guy. And I said, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think your champ left this behind. And he's like, Oh my God, where was that? I said, it was just sitting on the back back there. Anybody, anybody could walk away with it. You, you but, had, you had a moment like devil and angel on your shoulder. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> and uh, my other friends that that are sometimes on this show always, always uh, rag on me about it that I, I, I could have, uh, I could have took that belt and held it ransom. But, you could, you could have sold that on eBay. You know, pe- pe- I feel like people have done this, like when they steal the gear bags and stuff like that. Well, I mean, you definitely got that call from ROH. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it was a great time in my life. I enjoyed it. That sounds like so much fun. But we can see on eBay, like, I have the authentic Ring of Honor Championship sell, and they're going to say, prove it. Yeah, I'm gonna fess up right now. I stole it. You have much work you want. And you know get- what? You are late. You are late. I I, pro- I probably wouldn't have tried to sell it on eBay. I would have held on to it for like now, when with AEW and the, you know them buying Ring of Honor and everything. I would somehow find a way to uh, to get my 15 minutes of fame. I don't know how I would do it, but I'd probably end up in jail. Or you could start I mean, your own ROH. <laughs> yeah. Since you have the belt, it could be. Hey. I got the belt. <laughs> like, Ring of Honor is going to be at Ohio all the time, every weekend in Ohio. 
Well, I'm in Georgia now, so I guess it'd be Ohio and Georgia. Hey, just drive hey. back and forth on the run <laughs> so they don't get that belt. It'd be like, be like the 24-7 championship. Exactly. Just well, me that running time, all the over the country. title, wasn't it? it? It was. The hardcore title was just like that. So it was, would have been the hardcore ROH title. <laughs> <laughs> The 24-7 Ring of Honor champion. There'd be video, surveillance video footage of me running all over the place, people chasing me, trying to get the belt off of me. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. That'd be crazy. crazy. What if? Man, you'd be what could have been? Like, you'd be tackled like a fan jumping on a baseball field and then Philly's game going like, look at me. He'll taser you. Well, no, because I'd get so famous. That if I did something like that, I ended up on on a baseball field. They would see the belt around my waist, and they'd be like, "Oh, okay, I know what this is. Just let him go. Just let him go." Yeah, hmm. yeah right. <laughs> Anyways, no, Noel, what's some of your key victories in your young career? My key victories. Let's see. I hold a victory over Lagan Grimes. Um, she was probably the top. She was the top shoot, in my opinion, was one of the top girls in Colorado and in that area. She was kind of, she doesn't wrestle anymore, but I got a roll-up schoolboy victory over her in a tag team match. And that meant a lot to me. That was like my first official like win. Um, let's see. I have a win over Skyler Slice. Um, and then finally, recently, I got I bested my rival Adrian Mascara on an episode of Charged. So those are probably maybe not notable, but notable to me in the sense, you know. Well, that's all that matters. Your opinion only matters. I mean, especially all the internet trolls out there these days, and well, Scotty being one of them. You know, it's mm -hmm. you can't you can't exactly. really like. Dang, you calling you out, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I missed you, Scotty. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been on here. So, so give us the dirt for the people that you met in the back. Which one are the people that you you say like, yes, I can have like a drink with, and which one would you prefer to throw a drink at? Yeah, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not one to gossip, but <laughs> my. <laughs> my let's not get heat now <laughs> my favorite like some of my closest friends and like I'm thinking like the Rocky Mountain Pro locker room probably Adrian Mascara Jay Camacho um love those guys like we're, we're all kind of like the young 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 ones so they kind of stick together we're always joking laughing at shows um I'm not gonna say names but there are there have been a couple of people that I'm like, eh. my my big thing is arrogance. Um, my that's kind of my personal thing. I feel like if you come off as arrogant right away, hey buddy, we're we're on the same shows, you know, like yeah. So I'm not gonna say any I'm not gonna say any names because I don't really give those people much thought or anything like that, but. My the people I th I want to throw the drinks at most are people who come off arrogant because in my opinion the only people who can be super arrogant are the people that are making a living at this. 
and mm-hmm. have figured out a way to pay the bills, whether that be them being signed or whether that's them wrestling every weekend. So I would just say in general, you know, keep yourself humble and Noel Summit will get along with you just fine. Yeah, but the headline behind it though, like Noel Summit thinks this person sucks. That would that this podcast would go viral. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and she'll As get reported on the wrestling observer news though. Oh yeah. Now, um, I wanted to ask, for the most part, in your locker room, the Rocky Mountain locker room, is everybody very, like, uh, I know they're supportive, but do they come to you with ideas and then you do the same for them, watching each other's matches? Yes. I would say one thing about the Rocky Mountain Pro locker room is we all hold ourselves to an extremely high standard. It's just the way we, the way we've been trained. It's what Matt Yaden has ingrained in us. So I know if I have, if I have a match that I want feedback on, I can, I can go and get feedback from anybody in that locker room. And I know it's going to be honest and maybe not what I want to hear, but it'll be what I need to hear. So yeah. And then people will come to me and be like, Hey, you know, is this character idea work? Like, it's very, it's a very, like, the only way I describe it is it's it's like a family. Like, sometimes they piss, they piss, we piss each other off, but at the end of the day, it's just because we hold each other to that high standard, you know? That's, that's just kind of how we are. Like, we, we drink the purple Kool-Aid. That's, that's kind of a running joke in Colorado, drinking the purple Kool-Aid, so... <laughs> So you're going to join the Dark Order, too. Exactly. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't tell. Shh. Tony Khan can't know. I wasn't supposed to say that. I got, told I, TK. I, like to- I got told I looked like TK once. You, you should go to the ring and do that. Not say a word. Don't mention it in a promo. Just hold up. Just do the hand signal. Just And see if anybody picks up on it. Exposure is exposure. Yeah. AEW's <laughs> legal team will pick up on it. Oh boy! <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's all right. I will represent you in court. Thank you. You know what? I feel like I have a good chance with Scotty as my lawyer. Is uh Jaeger Lane still Rocky Pro? Say it again. Jaeger Lane. Jaeger Lane. Mm, I don't think so. No. Okay. He's an old friend of the show's disappeared. I just haven't seen him or talked to him in a while, but he used to wrestle in that promotion. That's awesome. I I haven't. He might be a little bit before my time, probably. Yeah, he's a he's an old fucker like Scotty and I. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah, we're not we're not as good as good and good looking like Tyler. <laughs> so in the ring, what's the most painful wrestling maneuver that every time you know you're about to get you're like fuck. <sighs> Uh, you know, I would probably say, I would probably say any, the yes, yes kicks or any like straight on kicks just because <laughs> they, they can either be like the softest thing ever or they can really knock the wind out of you or it could be a surprise and like, you know, the, the good, the good and then boom, they give you one good one and you were like, oh, it was going so well. So <laughs> I, I would probably... change yes. You're like, yes, I know. Oh. 
like any any kick like any like kick knee not necessarily because it's painful just because like you really got to trust the other person and you really got to be ready because they can either go really bad or they can go really well and they can look nasty or it can like actually feel nasty so you never know what's your favorite move to perform my favorite move to perform is probably let's see I love a good I love a good head scissors I love a good hurricane Rana. I love like well I like going like flying just because it's like again like those out of nowhere moves like Oh, she's running, she's running. Oh shit, she's up in the air. Boom. Love doing cross bodies. Like any move that like I'm kind of like up there, you know, catch a bit of air. That's that's probably my favorite to do. Your opinion, what are the most important traits someone must have to be a professional wrestler? You gotta be tough. You've gotta be extremely mentally tough because <laughs> one of my favorite sayings like jokingly like this ain't ballet brother and it, it, it it's really not like it's it's this tough guys club but the tough guys are all very emotional and very you know big personalities and you know in the heat of a moment you know and you're in training and you're fucking something up somebody might yell yeah. say something at you and like you really just gotta like let it slide off your back and just like you know, that's what I would say is like, you gotta, you gotta be tough and you gotta be mentally tough because like, at the end of the day, we're all just, we're all just play fighting in our underwear. And so-and-so so and so may have said something that really hurt your feelings, but probably like wipe your tears and get back out on the mat if you really want to do this, you know? I like when, and I say this as someone, you know, first started, I was really sensitive and I would, I would cry at the drop of the hat. But, you know, it's something that you really got to, like, you you got to learn. You either got to learn, you got to get thick skin, or you got to get out. Because it's not, it's not for the faint of heart. Like, everybody in wrestling is crazy. Like, I'm crazy. You guys are crazy. Why? Because we're all in professional wrestling. Because if we weren't crazy, we wouldn't want to do this. So, you know, you put a bunch of crazy people together in one room, you know, emotions are going to get high. Like, you know... <laughs> We'll and adrenaline goes through the roof. Exactly. Like, we'll go hard for each other, but, like, we'll also go hard on each other, if that makes sense. Like, it's, yeah, be mentally tough. Like, be, be mentally tough. And then, like, you also, and then, like, yeah, you got to be mentally tough and you got to be a little crazy. Because if you're, if you're sane, then you probably shouldn't be doing this because it's not the most sane thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to say something to piss you off? I mean, it's like the marionette looks at you like, what'd you say? I'm six one, and I would, mm -hmm. I, I would think I would pee myself a little bit. Uh, so like what someone has said to me? No, no, it's just like, why would anyone want to say anything negative you about know, you? Because just, just the, the marionette had the chance of the marionette just look at you like, twist it. Exactly. It's like, that's exactly. I'll be like, you're good, you're good, that's fine. Good. You don't want to get on my bad side. That's for sure. So if professional wrestling never existed, what would you be doing? You know, I feel like an easy answer is acting. But the thing is, the thing that attracts me to wrestling so much is like the physical aspect of it. And like, you know, like, like I said, it's kind of a tough guy's club. So 
I'll be honest, like, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't say just because, like, there's nothing else like wrestling. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe I could go, like, you know, like, I couldn't see myself doing, like, martial arts or anything. Like, that's too organized. Like, I don't know. Maybe, like, bar fights. Like, outside the bar underground, like, fight clubs. You, you, like, you like the unpredictability of it. Exactly. Like, I, like, one of the things that I like about wrestling is, and, like, that I don't, like, is that it's just, like, its own thing. Like, it's very, like not like the mafia but like kind of like the mafia like you know what I'm saying like we have our own expectations we have our own rules we have our own weird little customs and like yeah like different you know like I'm a wrestler because of all all of this you know is that nose ring real yes it is real it's Jesus, I, what made you think? I understand cider, and I was like, "Do yourself." What made you get that? You know, it's it's odd, and it's like a, it's a conversation starter. It's you know, what's more scarier than a girl in pigtails and face paint with a nose with with a septum? Yeah. You that know, looks like a bull. <laughs> exactly. You know, you see all the pictures of like Satan and all this stuff, and he's got yeah. that stuff. So you know, goes late, goes hand in hand. Aren't you afraid it's gonna get caught or something? Like someone like throws a forearm and it gets caught up in its sleeve or something? You know, it you know, it's something I've accepted might happen. And you know what? The way I think about it is at least it'll look cool on camera. I hope it <laughs> happens on camera because at least it'll look cool on camera. Getting I hope I out. go viral. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what do you wish everybody understood about your profession that you know a fan doesn't like get, but you wish they understood? That we do it because we want to, not because it's uh not because it's safe, not because it's you know, like I said, like you have to be crazy to do this because we're beating up our bodies night after night after night, day after day. Like we do it because we want to, and we do it because we're individual lists, and we're not doing it because it's someone's telling us to, or it's good for us, or you know, because like a lot of a lot of wrestlers, they don't make it to the WWE, they don't make it to AEW. Like we do it for the love of it. You know, like I, I've come, like I've come to terms with the fact that, like, I could do this for 10, 15 years, and I might not ever get signed. I might never do that, but that's okay because I do it because I love it. And I wish people would understand, like, you know, these people are doing this because they love it. Like, if you don't love wrestling and you're doing it, then you need to get out because, like, the risk is not worth the reward. If that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have a preference between AEW or WWE? I would say WWE just because that that's just what I watched as a little kid. And to me, that's still the pinnacle of wrestling. I do think it's a little too like modern, like not like, I still think it's great. Like the wrestling is great, but like, again, it's still a little too mainstream, but I would compare it to AEW and WWE. I'd probably pick WWE over AEW. What do you think will win Roman Reigns today or Bret Hart in his prime? Roman Reigns today. Really? You think he'll beat the hitman in his prime? 
He's in yeah. God mode. You know, still to this day, Vinnie Mac loves his big sweaty men. So <laughs> he, he even Bret Hart in his prime, who was pretty big and pretty sweaty, was, was pretty greasy. You know, doesn't come close to the tribal chief. Hold your ones up. Uh, I mean, how important is it to you that championship must be defended every once every thirty days? You know, I it's it's bad because like I think what adds to the prestige of the championship is that it is a main event thing. You don't you don't see it every night, every pay per view, yada yada yada. But also. I do think if you're the champion, like, you need to show up and, like, I mean, that's more of, like, an indie mentality. It's not, like, I don't know how it is in the big companies, but, like, if you're the champion in an indie promotion, you should be showing up. You should be there. But I also get, like, the it's drawing power because, like, if you have Roman Reigns on every other show instead of every show, you know, people are going to be more likely to buy tickets to the show, shows he's on because it's like you, it's not like you can see him every night. You can only see him these specific nights. So it's like kind of like a, you know, you make money off of it. It's, it's, a, it's, really it's a double-edged sword. If he's there all the time. Exactly. Double-edged sword. What are you saying, Tyler? That you can't really miss him if he's there all the time. Right. So it ruins the, like, let his special exactly. thing that he brings to the show. I, I understand the business model. Uh, it, you're right. It is good for business. To, it's a special occasion to see him. But from a championship perspective, I do think that it it decreases the value and the prestige of that championship if it's not defended on a regular basis. Yeah. We're old school. I mean, everyone, if we, make, we say something I'm... better about WWE and people on the internet goes like, well, you like AEW. No, we're Jim Crockett NWA guys. God, you like I even say and it's just the way I was trained like I think at the heart like the old school way is I don't know I sound like I'm a vet no I've only been doing this like two and a half years but like the old school <laughs> way like we should always go back to the old school way like we should modernize it but like at the end of the day like that like wrestling in its prime like when it was in its prime and like the like the 60s to the 90s like really was that old school way in my opinion you know the matches were simple the matches you know the stories made sense and like you know the champions like yeah like that's that, that's kind of what i get you know like new school's good but old school's usually better five years from now where do you see yourself Hopefully making wrestling my entire income and hopefully living off of wrestling. Like that that would be my goal for myself is like, you know, the reason I had to cancel on you guys last time was because of work, because of my shoot job. And that's no fun, you know, like that's not something I enjoy doing and waking up and going every day. What I enjoy doing is traveling to a new place, putting my boots on and like entertaining people. So if I could get to a point where that's covering all my bills, all my stuff, like, that's what, that's where I see myself in five years, is, like, I'm going to be 24 paying all my bills with wrestling. That's the goal. What are some countries that you want to wrestle at? The UK. I would, I'd love to go to the UK because, like, UK, I know it's, like, such a simple answer, like, the UK and Japan, but, like, 
the way wrestling is like kind of seen different over there and like those are really wrestling crowds like in japan it's presented as like this legit it's, like sport it's like a, then, it's like a religion over there exactly like and i i would honestly feel honored to like and those girls are tough and they hit hard and like it's kind of like a personal challenge like i want to see okay like can i hang with the big dogs and then the uk like the crowd i would love to wrestle in front of a uk crowd like and like that even goes for like new york and like you know wrestling crowds because in colorado in the south in the southwest really like there's not a lot of wrestling crowds so it's like when you when you get out there like more east like the uk even like the east coast like those are wrestling crowds and like it's totally different wrestling in front of wrestling fans and then like drunk people at a bar yeah tell your boss that i was watching highlights of the well summit the marionette that then all of a sudden you canceled out tell your boss you ruined my day he disappointed me to say like i will he cried for a week i did not cry for a week you know jersey Jersey i saw the email <laughs> I and that's it. That's what sucks. He almost canceled the podcast because I did that. not. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I'm so no. I was so glad you had an opening because I love podcasts. Like I love. I've been on a couple now, and like I really loved like just talking to other wrestling fans and like other wrestlers and like you know exposure is exposure, and then just like making those connections. So I was like. I'm gonna cancel today, but you better have another date for me, Vic. I was like, yes, yes I didn't want the marionette to haunt my dreams. Yes, ma'am. Yes, whatever you got me. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you want. <laughs> you want a co-host position, Scotty? You're fired. If you got an opening now, guess what? Oh, look at that! <laughs> Bye, Scotty. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> so, what events do you have coming up? So I'm kind of in my break period right now. I kind of took December off. Um, January 13th, I'm going to be at Heartland Championship Wrestling. Starting January 2nd, Rocky Mountain Pro goes back to weekly television. We'll have every Tuesday of every week. We're going to have Tuesday Night Ignition. Um, We're going to be at Beerstock the 5th. Um, and then February, my February is really where things start popping. February 10th, I will be in Northwest Pro. February 17th, I'm going back to Ha. Um, and then February 23rd, we have our Aces Wild um, pay-per-view for Rocky Mountain Pro. So that's what the first the first half of the year is looking like. But I have a lot of dates available. So, like, I'm just, I'm reaching out to people and, you know, I'm taking whatever opportunity comes to me and then in March I'm going back to Oklahoma for Majestic Championship Wrestling which is actually on a Native American reservation which is really dope so excited for that so what makes you unique from any like type of horror character that's ever been like Boogeyman The Fiend for example is those two for me I think it's because I'm not necessarily trying to be this, like, you know, like how the fiend and like the boogeyman and even the undertaker were like this, like other being like this other, you know, unworldly kind of thing. You know, when I come out, I'm just, 
I'm just a girl. Like I'm just you're, a girl. You're an you know? extension of yourself. Exactly. You know, because like when you, when you see like that character throwing fits and see you twitching and screaming and yelling, that's really me. That's me turned up a notch. You know, I'm not trying to be like this big, like scary, like unworldly monster. I'm I'm just the marionette, and this is this is what happens because I'm a little little messed up in the head just a it's little like though. pulling a pull it's like pulling a piece of your subconscious out of your brain and putting it out in 3d exactly that's that's how i would say it just because like i feel like i put a lot of myself into that like a lot of like just you know twitching and that because when you do a character like that and i feel like you have to kind of have like that not dark side to you but you kind of have to have that like part in your mind that like kind of goes there every so often that aggression you know yeah it's kind of hard to scale like the fiend or undertaker compared to you because they had the production of the wwe they had mm -hmm. the lights and we have just you and you have to like mm -hmm. pick up the extra ground you know, and I'm even lucky enough to kind of have a cool little production team behind me, but a lot of it is is just like, okay, for me, is just like, okay, I'm going to try this because like in my head, it looks creepy. And like, I hope that translates on camera in the match. But yeah. So where can people find you on social media? So I'm going to be at Noel Summit on, I still call it Twitter x i guess um i'll be on twitter um instagram no at noel summit facebook at noel summit um you can reach out to me there you can contact me there um i post pretty regularly if you want to see if you want to get your feed a little creepier a little more unsettling go ahead and give me a follow yeah i kind of got myself kicked off x so <laughs> you know i just I, I remember one time and it was right after the change and I'm like typing in my phone. I'm like, where's Twitter? Where is Twitter? And I'm typing Twitter in and the X icon is sh showing up, but I'm like, I didn't realize that was Twitter. So I'm like, did Twitter just get removed off of my phone? I was like, it took me a solid day to realize that it was just a different app now. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> Don't believe the hype about Elon Musk, freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want at X. I found that out last night. There's some things you cannot say, tell WWE fans before you get kicked off. Wrestling, I, it's funny. I feel like wrestling fans are like, and because I, I, it's the way with wrestlers too. Like we're, we're all big and we're tough, but inside we're real sensitive. And the smallest thing can like really be like, dang, that hurt my feelings. I've seen more grown man grow men cry in wrestling than anywhere else. To be real with you, <laughs> you know, but the wrestlers, the talent inside the ring, I have all the respect for. It's just mm. the trolls, the internet you, trolls, and it's just yeah. like I say, like, these are this. This is the data. It matches up what I'm saying. What you're saying does not. Are you freaking so bad? Because no. I say that too because fans will be saying some crazy stuff sometimes. Like, where I really draw the line is when people like, like Charlotte recently got injured. Like, she'll be out for nine months, like with a pretty nasty knee injury, 
And whenever a fan like wishes injury on a wrestler, that's what I'm like, nah. Cause like you like when when we hurt our body, like we're done. Like we're done for a certain amount of time. Cause like we are our products. Like, you know, like you're essential not to be dramatic, but like that's like wishing death on somebody, you know? Like not to get all dramatic on there, but like that's probably like what irks me about wrestling fans is like when they're wishing injuries or like wishing like on certain wrestlers because I'm like okay okay dial it down just because so-and-so lost we don't got to be going there we don't got to be going or like wishing so-and-so to be released yeah because that's you know that's how people make their money and like you're again it goes same with wishing injury on somebody if I get hurt I can't make money I can't go out and I can't wrestle it's like thinking about it you know like livelihoods and all that jazz and can you can you imagine being charlotte who just got back from mm-hmm. in just starts getting into a groove and boom it's gone again i i can't imagine what she's going through right now and that's what people don't understand is like the risk like wrestlers put because it is one time it's one match it's one spot it's one moment and you could be done you could be out for a long time and like Yes, we can boo the bad guys and we can cheer the good guys, but we also kind of have to step out and be like, you know, step out of the wrestling universe and be like, okay, that wrestler is a real person and they really hurt. You know, it's 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 that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've been critical about Charlotte, but when I heard that she heard and saw what happened, it was like, oh shit, you know, hope she, you know, she's going to miss Mania? That sucks. Well, I hope she gets back mm-hmm. as soon as possible. You know, I don't like, you know, say like, I don't like critical about her storyline or whatever. And then it's like, well, I hope you get hurt because you're flirting. No. No. And like I was, and like AJ had to miss WrestleMania this past year because due to injury. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, that's like the first one he missed being signed to WWE. To WWE. <laughs> Did you see him the other night? How jacked he is! No, he's huge. He can land run for his money. Like, like both AJ and Randy came back jacked. Like what? What happened, to AJ? <laughs> it's good to see him back. Right, definitely. Noel, I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me. I would love to be back. Thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to shoot the shit. I love it. So yeah. might have you come back and carry your scared shit out of uh, Jason's friend. Scotty's I friend. would love to. You just tell me when. <laughs> TJ bring, bring her with the juggalos. <laughs> oh I T- will. I'll bring the funions and the Fago too. <laughs> Dude we got Scotty, we gotta do that to TJ. You know we got to. <laughs> TJ won't see it coming. Nah. <laughs> Especially if he called Bryce Cannon a bitch on on the air. Oh, he's never gonna oh. let that down. He's never, especially he's supposed to go. Hey, show it, he won't. Did. He won't let me take him back there. He keeps finding excuses to not go. Because he knows <laughs> Bryce is gonna do something on. So we we interviewed uh, just to br- just to bring you up to speed, Noel. Uh, me and another guy that hangs out on our show sometimes, TJ, we go to uh, Intense Wrestling Entertainment in Augusta, Georgia, every okay. couple of months when they put a show on. And um, 
we had one of their wrestlers as a guest, and TJ just thought it would be cute to run his mouth. And he was basically called out, and they dared us to show up at the next show. And we haven't been back since. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> and here I'm ready to go. I get the tickets every time. He's always the one that backs out. And Bryce is messaging me and saying, like, yeah, when they get there, make sure there's a bottle of water near them. Just make sure there's a bottle of water near them. And everything was set until TJ backed out. I'll get him there. One day. One day. One day. So on behalf of professional wrestlers, you must come back on to seek vengeance on them. Yeah. I will. You guys tell me when and when, and I'll be there twitching and laughing in the dark. Use this as your I'll platform. Crawl into his, I'll crawl into his vents, whatever you need me to do. Knock, knock. Dude, this could be a lot sooner than later. Mm -hmm. I'll be kind. I'll be kind of getting a hold of you very soon. Talk about next month. Thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Tyler and Scotty. Thank you very much, and thank you for everyone to listen and watch. This is killing. This is KTV Media Podcast, and we are all out.